Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks. Anybody would have been frustrated with that performance, but um, the, main is, the biggest thing for me was just learning from it and, you know, trying to grow for this week. That's the man who's returning to Madison this Saturday, sneaking Deacon Hill with a 6-for-21 performance against Purdue. Today in the studio we have with us Daily Iowan, Jack of all trades, and former Iowa's News, now intern Michael Merrick with us on Eye on the Hawks. Michael, good to have you back in the studio today. It's always great to be here. Uh, Mike, before Deacon ever took a snap, what were your impressions of him? Did you have any inkling that this guy could help out the Iowa offense? You know, when we looked at Kids Day and we looked at um, <laughs> some of the stuff in spring ball, it was evident that Deacon liked to push the ball down the field. That was for sure. The accuracy concerns were definitely the thing to worry about. And I think we saw some of that on Saturday. You mentioned it. He did go six for 21. But, you know, the potential's there. If he kind of can figure out his footwork and start to hit his receivers in motion while they're, you know, breaking on their routes, I can see this offense kind of start to take another jump. He's a completely different quarterback than Cade McNamara. Mm -hmm. So I think we saw even on Saturday, they're using him different than they did Cade. One of the interesting questions that came up in the postgame presser was somebody asked Kirk, did you ever consider going to Joe Labus? And he almost seemed taken aback like uh no <laughs> did, did you ever as again when you were on the sideline did you ever get the impression or have a thought that they would go to Joe Labus in that game I didn't have a thought that they would go to him I definitely when we were calling the game on Saturday we definitely were kind of thinking about it just mm. with the the struggles that Deacon was having but you know from even last year with, with Spencer Petrus's issues, you know, Iowa is definitely a team that's going to ride out who they have on the field right now. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it's not shocking that Joey Labus hasn't, hasn't seen the field yet. But, you know, looking back at that Music City Bowl, he definitely was accurate. He, he got the ball on time. And, you know, he was 1-0, too, as a starter. Got to think that he's going to get at least a three- or four-game cushion to try mm -hmm. to figure it out as a starter. Well, Deacon's first game as a starter certainly left much to be desired if you're a Hawkeye fan. At one point in the first half, Deacon had a passer rating of one. By the end of the game, he managed to raise it to two. Now, the question, there's a lot to be figured out by Saturday in Madison. He's a very prideful guy, and, you know, he wants to do well just like all of our guys do. And uh, so, yeah, I think he's probably pressing a little bit. So I thought, thought he made some good decisions, just didn't quite have the accuracy that he's capable of, and hopefully that'll you know, work itself out as we move forward. There were some good things to take from that film, and there's a lot of bad, you know, a lot of good, a lot of bad. Um, but there's that with every game. And so I think, you know, learning from the bad, but also, you know, taking the good um, and letting that build confidence as well. I think the biggest thing this week is, you know, dialing in my footwork, uh, dialing in, you know, staying calm, being able to, you know, give our guys a chance. That's the biggest thing. You know, we have some playmakers, and so if you give them a chance, they're going to go up and get it. Uh, Mike, do you have any hope, any idea that Deacon is going to get things figured out for this week? From the conversations we had at the press conference, do you believe that he's at least moving kind of in that right direction right now? Yeah, you know, we, we heard him say that he he's watched the film a lot right now. Like he just said, there was some good, there was a lot of bad in there. So I'm definitely expecting him to take more steps in the right direction. Kind of a revenge game for him, you know, going <laughs> yeah. back home here in Camp Randall. So it'll definitely be interesting to see. But, you know, with Iowa's lack of production at wide receiver right now, that's also not helpful. Deacon Hill's performances at quarterback. Uh, and it seems like in those conversations we have with him, he's not getting too frustrated. I mean, he's a very laid back dude, West Coast guy. Seems like, again, he could struggle for a while and it's still kind of, he's able to shrug it off his shoulders a little bit. Yeah, no, definitely. It doesn't really seem like anything really affects Deacon Hill. I mean, if, if you looked online, which I bet he didn't, <laughs> you know, there wasn't a lot of great things being said about him. But if you, you look and talk to him, I mean, he's always got a smile on his face. Mm -hmm. I mean, Deacon just seems like he's happy to be here. Mm -hmm. As it is so often the case with a quarterback, 
quarterback spot. Deacon is the nexus of most Iowa storylines this week. Not only is he going into his second career start, but it's a homecoming game for Deacon, who was on the Wisconsin roster for his first two years of college. Now heads back to Madison, where he hopes to get his stats straightened out against some of his former teammates. You know, I love those guys to death. They're some great guys, and I got a lot of respect for them. You know, I used to get nervous before every high school game, too. I think it's just, you know, your normal nervousness before a game. Um, so I think it'll be there, but I think I just need to do a better job, you know, how I handle it. Michael, if possible, we can harken back to your high school days of basketball glory, the rivalries that you enjoyed over in the Quad Cities area. How much of a challenge is this going to be for Deacon going against a team that he played for just a year ago? Yeah, no, definitely. It's going to be in his mind. I mean, he mentioned it. He didn't want to make too big of a deal about it, but he also didn't want to make not enough of a deal about it. So this is something that is on Deacon's mind going into this game. And I mean, even if we look at last week with Tyrone Tracy coming back to Iowa City, that was the talk of the game mm -hmm. also going into that one. So it's on everyone in, in Wisconsin's mind, it's on Iowa City's mind. Deegan's going to want to go back in there and prove that he wanted more time at Wisconsin, so he's going to show him what he wants to do here with the Hawkeyes. Yeah, and uh, uh, this is just kind of the nature of with the transfer portal where it is. These are going to be storylines that we see more and more almost Ooh. every year. He told us who his roommates were on that Wisconsin team. I had to look it up on the roster, but two of those were defensive ends who are probably going to be going after him quite a bit this weekend, I'd imagine. Well, as Iowa's offense continues to struggle through the season, ranking at or near the bottom of the nation in nearly every category, the Hawkeyes set an historic mark on Saturday. In 307 games coached by Kirk Ferentz of Iowa, this was the first where a wide receiver has not registered a catch. First time that's happened to any Hawkeye team since the 1970s. As a receiving core, the Hawkeyes haven't had over 100 collective yards in a game since October 1st of last year. So the question continues to be asked, how do you get these playmakers more involved in the offense? The simple answer is throwing them the ball. <laughs> but... Um... Yeah, you know, wherever the ball is meant to go, that's where it's going to go. You know, whether it's to a receiver or a tight end, you know, we have 100% faith in all of our guys, especially the receivers. You know, we got a great bunch. So I think if the game plan calls for it, it will. Saturday, the way the game developed, uh, you know, it just, we were playing in a way that we felt gave us our best chance to win in that particular ball game. And you never know how it's going to unfold or what it's going to look like. And, uh, you know, we were having pretty good luck with the running game at that point. So that's just kind of the way it worked out. The statistics continue to shock and amaze us with how little this offense can move the ball and how little the receivers are getting involved in the passing game. Michael, do you think that this changes at all by the end of the season? Are they going to be able to get these guys more involved? I mean, the, the simple answer, you'd hope to say yes, but uh, as we've continued to see, it just doesn't really look like it. You mentioned this is the first time since about the 1970s since <laughs> the, Hawk, the Hawkeyes haven't registered a catch. Sometimes when you watch this offense, it looks like you're watching a 1970s <laughs> offense out there. I mean, when they did get into the shotgun at the three-yard line and then snapped it over the head, it was like the first time that the Hawkeyes were, were back up in this century and it kind of bit them in the butt, I would say. <laughs> uh, the 1970s might even be generous. We might be looking at a 1940s team uh, you know this might be Niall Kinnick out there playing QB for the Hawkeyes right now uh, well in the midst of a season filled with injuries if there's been one bright spot it's been the emergence of Eric All who began the season as a number two tight end but after the injury to Luke Lachey he's the only Hawkeye to catch a touchdown pass over the last two weeks a man who's certainly catching the eye of plenty of NFL scouts and who's become as well known for his blocking as his pass catching ability he loves hitting people it's great <laughs> He just runs full speed at him, just tries to hit him as hard as he can. He's an athletic freak, so, you know, he's like 6'5", 200-something. I think I said that after Michigan State, but um, he's, he's just a go-getter. You know, he jumps up, gets the ball. You know, he attacks everything he does. You know, he goes, he flies around the field at 100% every time. He's an all-around great blocker, and it all starts with the physicality. I mean, the guy will come over every day um, before we run across the field, and he'll, 
you know, dap us up, give a high, and then just straight up just throws his head right into mine. And I'm like, that's straight to the to the prefrontal cortex. And literally, like every day, we're like, oh my gosh. But it's it's like that, that's the juice he brings, and he brings it to the field. You know, running routes and blocking people. Watch out for that concussion protocol, Eric. Well, Michael, of course, I was earned the reputation of tight end you, no matter what those folks in Miami might say. Now, should we be surprised at Eric's development this year? Is this just another chapter in the lengthy tome of tight end you? I mean, it really just feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like anyone who is wearing the black and gold and plays tight end at Iowa is going to perform. And I think we're seeing that right now with Eric Hall. One thing that's a little bit surprising is how he's kind of taken a step with Deacon Hill at quarterback. Mm -hmm. Obviously, all the talk coming in was how him and Cade were just best buds coming in here mm -hmm. from. Michigan, obviously with Cade going down with that uh, ACL injury. Deacon Hill steps in, and Eric All's production has even gone up some more. I mean, he had that great high point pass this past yep. weekend, and, and it really seems like he's always making a big play on the field. Yeah. Uh, one thing that's maybe disappointed me a little bit is, I mean, as good as Eric All's looked, I thought we'd maybe see a little bit of more out of guys like Steven Stiliano's, mm -hmm. Addison Estranga, uh, Pascuzzi maybe. But, uh, I, I mean, do you think those guys will get more involved or should Iowa fans be a little bit nervous about where the future of that tight end game is right now? I, I wouldn't say they have to be worried about the future. I think Iowa's kind of earned that reputation to whoever's going to come onto the field is going to perform at that position. I, I do agree, though. I thought Stilianos was going to have more of a role with this team, but I guess you can kind of say that about any playmaker on this <laughs> offense outside yeah. of Eric All and the returning Caleb Johnson. True, because the same thing for Seth Anderson, Deontay Vines, et al. No, she hasn't cleared to practice. Uh, I'm not sure what we'll learn or what one will learn, uh, what his status moving forward is going to be, but at least we got him on the field now. He's back on the roster and uh, able to be part of the team as a football player instead of uh, a guy just kind of helping out a little bit. So, that's positive, and we'll keep our fingers crossed as we move forward. As the NCAA continues to adapt its gambling policies, we're getting closer to seeing Noah Shannon back on the field in a Hawkeye uniform. We hope he's been on the sideline in something of an unofficial coaching role over the first six weeks. Daily Iowan, DITV reporter Michael Merrick back with us on Eye on the Hawks. Mike, how much could Noah Shannon's presence change the shape of this Iowa defense? I think we've seen right now that the Hawkeye D-line outside of the Purdue game was really struggling to get pressure on the quarterback. Only three sacks going into that game, but obviously they had six sacks against the Boilermakers. So I think Noah Shannon just bringing another veteran um, mindset, another, you know, big body to be in that middle. He's a defensive tackle. I think Logan Lee and Y.A. Black have done a good job, and Aaron Graves also in there. But having a guy like Noah Shannon, it just always helps a defensive line that that needs more pressure get more pressure. Mm -hmm. First saw Aaron Graves make that nice sack last week, starting to make his presence felt on the defensive line. Uh, as much as of talent as he is on the field, what about off the field? I mean, it seems like just overall, he's he's a guy that almost could be a captain for this team. It seems like a lot of people really respect and like him, look to him for that leadership. Yeah, no, definitely. When we talk to the, the defensive linemen there on media days, they always bring up how Noah was always so helpful when they were coming up through the program and how he's continued to be kind of an outlet for them during this season. And he's just always, you know, looking to help the younger guys. And, and that kind of seems to be like the Hawkeye way. That's true. Well, with Iowa making their way to the north and east, we catch up with a broadcast park alum who's made the same journey in recent years. Mitch Fick chats it up with former sports director Zach Hanley, the godfather of Eye on the Hawks, to get the skinny on Scani. What is this defense without Jim Leonard? Again, you got a, a Cornell College grad and Mike Trestle. He's got Matt Mitchell over from GVSU, his teammate and roommate in Mount Vernon. Uh, what is this new look defense presenting that's familiar and what have you seen that's different? 
Yeah, the defense, not what we're used to, right? Different scheme. Um, they're kind of the weak link right now. And I think it's just because they don't really, they're used to playing how Jim Leonard wanted them to play. And these guys basically are all Jim Leonard guys. And they had, you know, spring ball and fall camp to try to figure out this new scheme. They're getting better, but the passing defense is not good. There's a lot of, you know, moving parts. They're trying to figure out, you know, who's that number two DB. Um, the safeties usually have to come stop the run. So that opens up the pass. The linebackers, they're trying to figure out the inside, you know, linebackers, who they are. They're not getting a lot of pressure on the outside, but, you know, you're used to for Wisconsin, Nick Herbig, right? Like, He's not there anymore, you know, so they haven't got the sacks. They haven't really got the pressure when a quarterback has, you know, a lot of time. They can pick the defenses apart. So uh, that's kind of the the weak spot right now for Wisconsin. But uh, I'm sure they'll figure it out later in the season. I mean, they have to. But, you know, Saturday is going to be a big test. It's one of Iowa's oldest rivalries, and it trails only Minnesota in the number of games played. Wisconsin and Iowa's first meeting dates back to 1894, a game that Iowa lost 44 to nothing. These teams have alternated wins each of the last four seasons, and Iowa is trying to win two straight against Wisconsin for the first time since the 2008 and 2009 seasons. It's usually a physical battle up front um, the whole game, you know, but... You know, playing playing for a trophy is always always fun. I'm, I think I'm one and one against them right now, so hopefully we can we can get back on the winning side. When I came as a freshman, they had beat us, I think like four straight years or something like that. They went they had gone on a tear there, so I remember that first experience I had being a player in it. It was like a huge deal. Like we gotta hey, we gotta beat these guys. Like these guys have had our number for a while, but as you uh, you know get closer to the game, you're gonna start getting a little emotional about it and. Um, I think the important thing is that we stay level and focus on ourselves. And when I got here in 81, it was a big game uh, back then, and uh, it's always been that way. It's been a pretty good uh, series over overall in time, you know, history. It's, it's a big game. We both have one loss right now. They've got a really good team. We're trying to become a good team. Well, Michael, you're an Iowa student, so we're not going to try to hide the fact that you bleed black and gold. How much does this Iowa-Wisconsin game mean to you, or where does it rank in, uh, among the students in importance among these rivalry games? I would definitely say it's one of the higher-ranking important games for sure. I mean, growing up on the Illinois side of the Quad mm -hmm. Cities, Illinois people definitely think that they're up there on the <laughs> Iowa ranking. Maybe. After being an Iowa student for a while, that's definitely not the case. <laughs> I would say Wisconsin is always near the top of that, mainly because they're always more of a threat to beat the Hawkeyes yeah. than other teams. Iowa's kind of dominated their trophy games throughout the past few years, but Wisconsin seems to be the one that continuously gives the Hawkeyes one of their toughest battles. So Iowa fans, Iowa students are always wanting to win when the Badgers are coming in. Are you able to say for you personally, which, you know, if you had to choose one of the four trophy games, which one would you want the most? 
I, after losing to Nebraska last year, it just definitely feels like that's the one to get back. But, you know, they've kind of dominated the Cornhuskers for a long time. Mm-hmm. This is the one, though, like you mentioned, it's been back and forth these past few years. So everyone in Iowa City, they really want this win against the Badgers. And it always feels like the Big Ten West comes down to these two teams. Exactly. That, it seems like that's even the discussion heading into every season that the Big Ten West trophy is going to go through Camp Randall or Iowa City. Well, the headline for before the season was that this Wisconsin team was taking a new approach, airing the ball out, bringing a more exciting approach to Camp Randall. Curtis Fader takes us deep inside the Badger football team. Wisconsin is a program always in debates with other schools in the running for the title running back university with backs such as Jonathan Taylor and Melvin Gordon coming through that program on the way to the NFL. Seems the Badgers have another menace in the making with Braylon Allen. Allen scored 11 touchdowns last year and is close to reaching that mark halfway through the year with seven touchdowns already. He uses his incredible power along with Remarkable speed to the max, averaging 94 yards per game on the ground and six and a half yards per carry this year. His production is as consistent as it gets, only being held to less than 85 rushing yards three games in his collegiate career. But what may bring Iowa fans joy is that the Hawkeyes were one of those three games. Phil Parker's squad respects the dangerous threat Allen poses, but is equally ready to handle him this Saturday. He's, he's a big back, you know, he runs, runs downhill. Um, tough to bring down. He can. He's pretty fast. Um, from what I've seen, they've they've used him in the passing game more than they have in the past. Um, but you know, he's he's a good player. You know, he's he's tough to stop. Um, you know, but I think I think we're we're looking forward for for that challenge. While some aspects of Wisconsin offense is the same, there's some new flavor on that side of the ball under new coach Luke Fickle. These Badgers are able to not only play at a very fast pace, but also spread defenses out and use transfer quarterback from SMU Tanner Mordecai as a legitimate dual threat. That being said, Iowa is expecting a standard Big Ten physical ball game, as always, from Wisconsin. They have changed up the tempo. They're trying to trying to get down as quickly as possible and get the next playoff. Um, for communication errors for the defense, so uh, that's a big difference. And then they're also in a shotgun defense as uh, I'm sorry, in a shotgun offense as well, so that uh, they're not under center as much. So um, there's a lot of differences, but overall, we're not expecting a whole lot of difference up front for us. It's going to be pretty similar. Lots to keep track of for this defensive unit, but the general feeling with this team seems that they're pretty well prepared. Now we'll see if that translates in a hostile Madison crowd with the opportunity to be in the driver's seat for a Big Ten West title on the line. Thank you, Curtis. You know, Michael, I think I read a stat the other day where Braylon Allen, he's about to go over 3,000 career rushing yards at Wisconsin, might even get there this Saturday against Iowa. He'll be their 14th 3,000-yard back more than any other Big Ten school. How much do you know about this Wisconsin team? Uh, Who else other than Braylon Allen is a guy to watch for on that team? Yeah, we've kind of talked about uh, transfer quarterback Tanner Mordecai, very mobile quarterback there. Um, This is an offense that is quoted as an air raid team, but only three passing touchdowns compared Mm -hmm. to 15 rushing touchdowns. So (laughs) as all things change, you know, all things stay the same at the same time there for Wisconsin. So I would say their defense, that's a defense that can get got now compared to Wisconsin defenses of the past. Mm -hmm. New defensive coordinator in, Jim Leonard is gone now. Um, The Cincinnati defensive coordinator has came over with Fickle. 
Keuchel. And right now, outside of Ricardo Hallman, who has four interceptions on the year, and their safety, who leads their team in tackles, I mean, this is the worst pass defense in the entire Big Ten, but it's also the worst passing attack in the Big Ten. So (laughs) it's kind of a weakness versus weakness kind of matchup. Possible opportunity for Deacon Hill to get back on track going up against a defense like that. I know you've uh, spoken with some of those Wisconsin student reporters. Have they mentioned anybody or anybody special on their team, guys that uh, that they really like this season? Uh, Braylon Allen obviously is the guy to go to now, especially with the the injury to Chez Mazzulli, um, the backup running back there. He was averaging over six yards per carry. But now this is Braylon Allen's team. He's the feature back once again. This is his third season basically as the feature back for the for the Badgers. He's not even 21 years old yet, <laughs> Owen. I mean, he started as a 17-year-old <laughs> freshman, and he's just a physical freak. I mean, the, the team kind of runs and goes through him. Um, and outside of that, Hunter Wohler at safety. I already mentioned he leads the team in tackles. And and really, that defense kind of flows around him. He, he loves to come inside the box and make some tackles in the run game, but he's also effective in the pass game. It's easy for Mitch Ficken and myself to feel old around these players. Braylon Allen, he's even younger than you, isn't he? Yeah, no, he definitely Holy is. Holy smokes. <laughs> Welcome back to Iron the Hawks. We've got uh, Michael Merrick from the DITV with us. Michael, tell us about where the viewers out there might be able to catch you or where they can see you these days. Yeah, so you can go to the dailyiowan.com for the website, and then that that always has our DITV stuff on there. Well, you can also go to YouTube for Daily Iowan. We have content. We have live shows three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and we also have our own pregame weekly show <laughs> called Before the Kickoff, and that airs on Friday mornings also. Excellent plug. Uh, you had a good encounter recently last week with Stephen A. Smith in town to talk mm-hmm. to Caitlin Clark. Had a chance to meet him, talk to him. Tell us about your encounter with him and what that was like to catch up with Stephen A. Oh my gosh. Stephen A. is just the nicest guy in the entire planet. When he showed up uh, a few hours or an hour before it was time to film first take, he made sure to go around to every single person in the studio, shake their hand and introduce himself. And I was sitting there like, we all know who you are, Stephen A. <laughs> but he was just the nicest guy ever. And even after first take, he stayed for an hour and answered questions from all the student journalists and, and really just gave us a good career outlook and, and how to be an asset and not a liability when you're looking for jobs. Did that surprise you? I think that might surprise some people to hear that Stephen A is the nicest guy in the world. Uh, you know, I kind of <laughs> had a, a feeling that he was going to be really sweet. Um, definitely was happier that it was Stephen A than Skip Bayless yeah. coming into town. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so maybe the on-air persona, a little bit of kayfabe for mm-hmm. Stephen A. Well, let's get now to our Week 7 game picks. Not many intriguing Big Ten games this week, so we start with the Cyclones on the road at Cincinnati. Cyclones Actually, a five-point underdog this week. Michael, what do you think about this game? You know, as an Iowa student, it would much it would be really easy to pick against the Cyclones in this one, but I'm going to ride with them. I think they're mm-hmm. finally starting to find their groove here. A good win against TCU last week. I think that the Cyclones are going to beat uh, the Bearcats in this one. I'm really surprised they're five-point underdogs, quite frankly. I mm-hmm. thought that they might be even the favor going into this game. Morocco Beck's really starting to emerge as a pretty a decent quarterback. Iowa State now just a few wins away from bowl eligibility, possibly. Now to a couple of future Big Ten teams. Number eight, Oregon. Number seven, Washington. Washington, Iowa going to play Washington next season and Oregon in 2025. Both of those games going to be at Kinnick, maybe the two most exciting teams in college football right now. Who wins, Ducks or Huskies? I got the Ducks in this one. Mm. I think their defense is going to be the difference maker in this. And, and both teams can really put up points. I mean, you saw the uh, Oregon against Colorado, but I think what separates these two teams will be the defense of Oregon. I think in the trenches, they're just a lot stronger and more physical than Washington. But I think Washington does have a slight quarterback edge with Penix mm. over Bo Nix. That'll be probably 
the game to watch this week, though, for sure. Knicks or Penix? That is the question. I actually kind of like Washington in this game. Um, I think that they could win this and get in the driver's seat for a spot in the college football playoff. Now to maybe the most important game on Iowa's regular season schedule when it comes to Big Ten West implications. Hawkeyes heading to Camp Randall Saturday on Fox 28. Michael, will Iowa take the reins and control their own destiny in the Big Ten West? Oh, and as much as I wish I could say yes, this is actually the first time I'm going against the Hawkeyes. Yes, I even, you know, predicted a, an upset against the Foolish Nittany Lions. <laughs> and I'm not going to let that burn me twice here. Uh, Wisconsin, as it says, 10-point favorites right now. I think they're going to cover that spread. I got it about 24 to 14. Hmm. Wisconsin's going to win this one. I just, I don't think that the Hawkeye offense is fully going to click. And I think that this Wisconsin offense will just... We'll just finally, you know, get something past this Iowa defense. You can only hold strong for so long. This was a game before the season that all of us kind of thought that would be a loss on Iowa's schedule. I'm going to stick with that. I think that uh, the home field factor for Wisconsin is going to play out in this one. Michael Merrick saved us in a tight spot today, Michael. Appreciate you joining us today. I know you're graduating in a couple months. Uh, the future is bright for you, young man. Appreciate your help again today. Oh, thank you so much, Owen. It's glad to be back here. You know, I missed it since I was an intern here. <laughs> we miss you over here as well. Well, that's going to do it for this week on Eye on the Hawks. We'll see you next time.